0: Five. I'm your host, Doug Sparks, editor in chief of Merrimack Valley Magazine. Uh, and before I ask Lou how he's doing, because I want to find <laughs> out, I'm just I just want to let everybody know this one was recorded on Sunday, but it's airing on Monday. So if you're used to watching this on Facebook and thinking that this is happening live, it's not. It it happened yesterday. It happened yesterday morning. <laughs> um, Lou, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Yeah.
1: Sunday's. Uh Sunday's work day for me. Okay. All right. So (laughs) So it's just added in. Just another thing. It's great. It can
0: be work day uh, for me, too, obviously. Um, uh, I am excited. I'm excited about Calvin Cater fighting on Saturday. Yes. Uh, So for people who don't realize this, Calvin Cater is a UFC fighter from Methuen. He went to Methuen High. He wrestled on the Methuen High wrestling team. And he is fighting the number two guy in the UFC for the feather. uh, And this will put him in line if he wins. And I think he has an excellent chance for the Featherweight title. And this is going to be a very unusual event because it's going to be on ABC. It's not going to be a pay-per-view. It's going to be on network TV. So uh, you're going to be able to check this out and cheer for Calvin. He's on the cover of the latest issue of Merrimack Valley Magazine. Uh, He's very pro-local, very uh, enthusiastic about coming from this region. In some sense, he's like a classic like. Merrimack Valley guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, as like an underdog. Yeah. As someone who kind of comes in and you know, people like he he's he always kind of punches up. Um I think he has a great chance against Max Holloway, and and I'll be uh, I'll be cheering for him, and I hope everybody from the uh... he's got that
1: it, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean if he's if he gets to the national stage to the level we think we are, yeah. he's going to make some hay because he's got it. He he yeah. he
0: has it, and yeah. he's also like genuinely a nice guy. Now yeah. you know I used to you know sort of be in the fight world a little bit. I taught judo for a while, uh, you know to be at a really really high level. No surprise there are some people who are maybe not maybe not so i'm never going to use the word sociopath but there are there are people there who are not necessarily who you want babysitting your kids yeah (laughs) he was genuinely nice i was i was in on the photo shoot we did on not the one on the cover but for the inside pages and he's just a genuinely nice guy i liked all the the team they were really really funny really easy to be around it was a great environment great energy great vibe you know couldn't couldn't happen to a nicer person it was my sense of things so speaking of local, our guests today are from Purple Carrot Bread Company in Lowell, Doug and Elena Brackett. How are you this morning?
2: We are good. Thanks for having us on.
0: Absolutely. So this is this is kind of your day to sleep in normally. Yeah. You, you keep bakers hours,
3: right?
2: Yeah. Doug usually goes in at four to start baking bread and then I come back at five or six to just start brewing coffee and get ready for the morning.
3: Yeah. It's a busy day, it's midnight yeah sure yeah yeah i know
0: i you know i told you guys before the show i used to work in the coffee industry and i remember people and there's some periphery of, of baking and, and that kind of world and um and we did that too in order to, to roast coffee you have to get up uh and mm-hmm. get everything going before the ups people arrive at, at 3 p.m which means you know 4 four thirty. and there's an appeal to it you know to me there's that that feeling of getting up when it's still dark out and everybody else, for the most part, is still kind of asleep. Do you like that, or do you, or do you, you fight? He
2: does. Yeah, I kind of, like that. It's
3: kind of fun watching the world wake up.
0: Yeah. yeah, I like that, and I like that as a guy who I think deep down was a night person. Like I lived in New York City for ten years. I used to go to bed at four in the morning, and I kind of had to reinvent myself. I had to reinvent myself when I came back to this area because there was just I wasn't going to survive unless I was just going to be like a you know like a security guard. So or I don't know. Who knows? A, a bouncer in a nightclub. I don't know. Um, but I, but I had to embrace it, and I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm really going to go for it, and I'm just gonna. And there is that kind of pleasure in like, ah, like the world is quiet and the world is still, and and I, I almost imagine baking at four in the morning or four thirty, whenever you get in there, as being almost like meditative or there being a, a contemplative component.
3: Do you experience that? It's very relaxing. Yeah, like just me and the dough.
0: Yeah, just you and the dough. So uh, That's right. people, I, I follow, uh, you know, I have, I lived in Lowell for a time. I have a lot of friends who live downtown and in that area, and people love Purple Carrot. I see them posting about it in a way they don't post about other places. I, people love to say, hey, I stopped by Purple Carrot today, and I got some sandwiches, and I picked things up. People love this place. What is it that they love?
3: Well, we're, we're so small that we literally know most of our customers on a first-name-and-sight basis. Yeah,
2: I think that makes a big difference. Um, We work really hard to have less processed foods. So, um, if you're getting a turkey sandwich, we made the turkey. Um, We don't make our cheese, but we do make our roasted turkey, and then the braised short ribs we do as well.
3: Yeah,
0: what's what are the most popular items on the menu right
3: now? Short rib grilled cheese. That sounds good, right?
2: Yeah,
3: my kids would
0: love it. They're they're big grilled cheese fans. (laughs) I should I should. You're not open today, are you? No. Okay. Now we're, we're airing Monday. So are you open Monday?
2: Yes. yes. What are your hours? Um, Monday through Friday, we're open seven a.m. to five p.m. and then on Saturday nine to five.
0: Okay. Uh, so, um, if we had had this conversation a year ago, it would be very different because the world has changed and it has really impacted your industry. What is life like for you under COVID?
3: Well, sales immediately decreased by fifty percent, and we immediately did a pivot to ca- more like catering, hmm. uh, taking bakes like family meals where people take home a meal and they, they can bake it at home,
2: or pick it up hot; it's ready to eat. Um, and that that seemed to even out the the lack, sheer lack of numbers in downtown. Because really, before the pandemic um lunch was when we did most of our business you work in downtown you um live in downtown those are our customers um but when you know the banks and the schools closed to the public all those people went away um so we did the pivot with the take and bakes and we've been heavily you know promoting on merrimack valley eats and a few other facebook sites um And basically, we try to, you know, keep the menu live and and in everybody's mind. Um, And you can order like a a couple size, which is like two or three portions, and a family size, which is like five to seven portions. Um, And you can pick it up either hot or cold. You just have to order that morning or for the next day.
0: So you bring it up. Uh, you mentioned the Facebook sites, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about about the Facebook sites and, and your, your thoughts on the, the comments section, which can sometimes go, you know, go off, uh, you know, can get a little bit crazy. And also places like Yelp. Um, I know a lot of right. restaurants really struggle with, with Yelp, with, with uh, you know, people kind of thinking that their particular preference because they like uh, – you know, a sandwich to be such and such an inch thick, like that's the way all sandwiches ought to be, and they get yeah. Like, what are your is, has? If these things been good for you, um, is it something it hasn't you struggle been
2: with? Overly scary, but I've seen some brutal comments for other businesses, and it has made me wary to post in the past. Hmm. Um, I've posted stuff also about like price hikes, like when the pandemic first happened. Eggs at the depot went from fourteen dollars a case of a fifteen dozen case to over forty fifty dollars hmm. overnight. Yeah, and you know I try to post things that can kind of be an eye opener for those people that are eviscerating small businesses on the websites. I mean, most of the people who started those those pages have have worked really hard to like change the culture.
3: I think he's talking more about, like, Yelp and Google.
2: Well, well the whole,
0: yeah, the whole, but continue. You know, just, in,
3: I yeah, want to get I your mean, thoughts in general. Uh, Elena right now is talking about, like, pro, we, we remember, like Facebook pages. We, yeah. we Remember a couple of private Facebook pages, which are food-oriented, like yeah. Merrimack Valley Eats is, like, a really big one.
2: And um, In and Around Lowell, Food and Drink. Um, but they, like you said, the comments can be, they can be harsh. yeah. Um, We haven't experienced anything overly harsh when if, you know, complaints happen, we always want people to call us and let us know if something wasn't right and we'll make it right.
3: Um,
2: That's that's just how we do business. Um, So overall, if there has been a complaint, the first response once I respond is I'm so glad you responded as quickly as you did. Um, And we get to the bottom of the problem, whatever it is.
3: I mean, sometimes there's an order mix-up or like yeah. wh- whatever it is. Like a- at the end of the day, if we have to, we'll drive it out to the customer. Hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. So how did um, how did this whole thing start? Why why, why bread? Where where do the or- where so, are the origins? What's the history of purple carrot?
3: So I was a professional. Um, I was a restaurant chef for a long time, hmm. and I kind of got per- actually. I have to go back further than that. <laughs> I. During the 2008 housing crisis, I was a restaurant chef at an American Bistro in Worcester, which is now closed, but I could just tell they were closing, and a friend of mine owned an Arson um, bread bakery in in Western Mass called Five Loaves, and he was opening dinner at night, and it was a farm-to-table concept. And he needed, like, a restaurant chef. So what we would do is we would buy the ingredients and then we would create a different menu every week. We'd have, like, five entrees and five, like, small plates. And we, we'd just do that, like, four or five nights a week. And I met Elena and we got married. And p- part of my salary was I lived above the bakery. So when I woke up every morning, I could smell fresh bread. And I never, And I didn't have... And like I had, I worked there three or four years, so I always had access to fresh bread. And we moved out to Lowell. I was like, okay, I, I got, I got a job working at a very nice country club, and I was like, where do we get the good bread? And Elena, you, you tell it. I was
2: there for like twenty minutes, going through all the towns, and I'm like, there's nowhere like that has good bread. Like I went through, you know, just different towns, just trying to see what I remembered from when I I grew up in Lowell. Um, and he finally was like, fine, I'll just make my own. And he, for a couple of weeks was tinkering with it. And then one day out of the blue was like, here, try this. And I was like, this is really good. bread." <laughs> hmm. So we ended up, um,
3: so she, without my knowledge, took the bread, she, she found out that there was a farm market on Jackson, Jackson street. street. And she's like, Jackson street. What? Well, like my mother wouldn't even let me walk down there when I was a kid. <laughs> and she went up there with her loaf of bread and brought it to the farm market manager. And she's like, okay, can you do this next week?
2: So we were selling bread the next week at the farm market. And that's literally how we got started.
3: Keep in mind, I still had my full-time chef job. So we rented a space at a local church and we're producing bread out of there.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, uh, we did an article on, on artisan bread, um, a couple of years ago, I, th- I think it was a couple of January's ago, and I, th- I think the idea for it originally came because for, for a time I lived in Woodstock, New York. Right. And in downtown Woodstock, you have bread alone. Which yeah. is like it, it's something I, I just lo- it's like it's actually very similar to purple carrot in a lot of ways. Mm. like the feel of it and it's like you know people kind of know you there and the food is really good and and the bread is like amazing. And I just always remember thinking, man, I wish I, I had I wish this was around. That was where the idea came from where is where is the bread alone of the Merrimack Valley? And it was pretty tough, you know it was pretty tough to find uh, people like you throughout the region doing that that kind of stuff. Is there something magical about bread itself? Is there something about that food that is just like, makes it so that like, I mean, how long has it been around for? 2,000 well, years? I don't ancient. know. It's ancient. It's ancient. ancient. Why is it and still with us? Why are we still talking about bread after it was invented thousands of years
3: ago? It's like the first meal. Like, I don't know. It's I, just flour, water, and salt. Yeah.
2: I think that it's a comfort food. I think it's a food that you would bring through the ages to someone that you were visiting. I think it was, it's, it's not complex. So I think that's why it's come through the ages and is something that is still talked about.
0: Yeah. Is there a tension between innovation, like in coming up with new sandwiches and new things for people to eat and preserving the traditional aspect of bread?
2: I think that bread is, is simple. Um, you you can add other things to the bread to, like, other components in a sandwich. But bread itself doesn't need to change or be reinvented.
3: For me personally, I feel like the start of the sandwich is you always start with the bread. Hmm. And everything else is just a garnish. It's just an embellishment.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of think, I mean, there's there's so much... I, My feeling is that in general, people are better educated about food and culinary culture now, probably because of, you know, the Food Network and stuff on TV, which is very family friendly. So you can kind of watch it with the kids and you can kind of learn a lot. And it's, um, you know, I would imagine that at least some of my grandparents, if I said, hey, do you want a short rib sandwich, would have gotten very confused (laughs) and been like, what is that? No, I just want a, I just want grilled cheese. Um, Right. You know, so there's there's some, it. But but I think to mo, to your average maybe you know millennial a uh, uh, short ribs sandwiches, there's nothing strange or odd or exotic about that.
3: Well, I came from fine dining, and I really wanted to take like a fine dining aspect to a casual concept. Hmm. So, well like I use traditional like French and European te- techniques, like. W- when we, when we braise our short ribs, for example, or like the bread is all European based, and I really want to take like a chef, like we make all the dressings, all the sauces, like all the soups are made from scratch. We won the wool, what's it called?
2: The Winterfest soup competition. three yeah, years we, in a row. Yeah,
3: we won it three years in a row. So it it, it it's like it, everything I serve is something I would eat.
0: Yeah, why do you, why do you do this to yourselves? I mean, I, I obviously we love it, but but I hear that a lot in in restaurant industry is that people like, you know, like doing this stuff takes a massive amount of time. Do you feel like ah oh, maybe we should just simplify this aspect or make this or not do this thing from scratch just to give ourselves a little bit of like save a couple pennies or, or save a little bit of time? Not interested. Um,
3: it's not the same like that that it's it's like a slippery slope like you start buying a dressing or a sauce or something that then you're buying like soups like it's a form of not caring Hmm.
0: how do you let people know i mean obviously i would imagine if i went into a place like you know purple carrot for the first time and you make your own dressing that changes the experience for me how do people know that, that you're putting this much care into what they're eating? How do you I think, educate?
2: I think a lot of it is in education. Um, when people come in and they're like, oh, this is my first time here, I'm usually quick to say all the meats are roasted here. We make our own dressings. Soup is made from scratch. You know, and, and that usually, if that's going to be something that they care about, they'll, you'll know in the first two sentences. If they want to hear more, then I'll expand on it.
0: Sure. Well, uh, it, you mentioned the soup. So I want to hear about the soup. And I also want to hear about, like, what else do you have uh, It's on the menu? So there's sandwiches and then there's other things. What are these other um, things?
2: We do about eight different salads from scratch. There is no iceberg lettuce in-house. It's not a great way to um, get nutritional value. Uh, we use kale. We use spring mix. We use um, romaine. And then we also do uh, grain bowls, and then the take and bakes have really been what's been helping us through the pandemic. Hmm.
0: So uh, before I turn this over to Lou, because he's going to have some questions, I I Facebook stalked Doug. Elena, I don't know if you have a Facebook page. If you do, I couldn't find it, but I Facebook stalked you. There's not a lot (laughs) up there, but there is some stuff about Star Wars. (laughs) Are you a Star Wars fan?
3: Science fiction in general. Science
0: fiction. So what did you think of The Mandalorian?
3: We'll get to uh, the, the hard
0: questions now. What do you think of the Mandalorian? I love it. It's fantastic, right? Did you cry? Did you cry, best did, did you cry when, when Luke came out with the lightsaber? Be honest. Oh,
3: oh, oh I cried. <laughs>
0: All right, I appreciate your candor. No, wait a second! Spoiler, Spoiler alert, alert here. Oh, well, come on, it's it's out there. It's out there, everybody. Yeah uh yeah. that was that was uh that was fantastic and definitely uh you know i think uh you know a lot of fans of star wars were concerned about where i
3: try to keep my business and my personal page separate that that was the sense i got there there wasn't
0: there wasn't that much there. occasionally
3: but... i'll share something but it's like I, I don't want to dilute like bombard the pe- people i'm friends with with like my business yeah
0: yeah sure uh, so, uh, science fiction meaning, uh, you know, b- books and movies and TV shows or just all of it?
3: Um, I grew up watching Star Trek The Next Generation.
0: Okay. And is that your favorite Star Trek still or do I you like, prefer the original or where are you at?
3: I, lo- I like the original, but it's it, it hasn't dated very well.
0: I agree. I, I My Plus favorite is sexism The Next Generation. and like... <laughs> yeah, although in some ways they, they went beyond a lot of that too. I think yeah, well, like, it was progressive what for its time. Star day.
3: Trek it always had something to say. It always had a message. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's yeah, also young age. I realized that.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I find something, uh, you know, beyond just you know, I'm a boy at heart, and I would love to be zipping around, uh, you know, the right. cosmos in a cool ship. Of
3: and, course, there's all that.
0: Yeah, and that's that's cool. But it's like at the end of the day, you have all the you know these kind of diverse characters who have uh, you know different cultures and and come from these different places who still manage to kind of get along and get things done. And there's something compelling, you know, that's fantasy in and of itself someday. And I find that very, uh, very compelling, you know, aside from just, uh, you know, how, um, you know, kind of uh, clever it was and, and how it spoke to issues of the day in a way that they couldn't have done if it wasn't science fiction. Correct. You know. Uh, Lou, do you have questions for our guests?
1: Yeah, it's funny you bring this all up because I'm just revisiting Next Gen on Pluto. Yeah. The last couple of weeks. Do and and you pick, love it? And picking episodes. Yeah, I mean, it has its dating <laughs> problems. Sure, sure. But it's still, you know, still quality. It's still good, still compelling, you know, because you like the characters. Yeah. Like, like any good fiction, if you get into the characters... Almost everything goes. Right, right. I want to ask you guys about the war on bread because uh, as we chase <laughs> as we chase diet after diet after diet, and we have to renounce here in New England our wonder bread upbringing. Uh, how do you speak to people who recoil at the whole thought of bread these days? Because that's kind of where we're at as a society. Bread, I'm not touching bread.
2: Um, I think from a you know community point of view, I'll let Doug touch on like the mechanics of it. But when people come in a lot, a lot of the times some will say, oh, I'm gluten-free or, and and if it's because they have celiacs or they have an intolerance, you know, I always ask that first. Um, But but if it's just because they, you know, they, that bread is bad, anything is bad in excess. Um, Nothing is good for you in excess. The good things about our bread is there's minimal ingredients. There's not a lot of chemicals. There's not a lot of other ingredients that you can't pronounce. There's water, salt, yeast, and flour, and that's it. And whatever it is, if it's garlic and rosemary, then there's garlic and rosemary, but there's no fillers, there's no preservatives, there's no anything extra. Um, A lot of people will call and say, does your bread have a lot of salt? Um, It really doesn't. We do it in small batches of like eight, and that's how many tablespoons? Five. Five tablespoons of salt in eight whole loaves of bread total. Wow. Um. And so I think that from a educational point of view, that's kind of how I attack those questions. I don't know if you have something to say about from a, a cooking point of view.
3: Like um, the sour the sourdough is made with wild yeast, so for, for, from a starter, so it doesn't even have commercial yeast in it. And a a lot a, a lot of um, customer. A lot of customers find that that maybe um, gluten intolerant can eat sourdough because it's easier to digest. Because,
1: but the the important awareness the here is that
3: commercial yeast.
1: the important awareness here is that Wonder Bread and white bread is a whole different animal mm-hmm. than what you guys are producing, right?
2: It's not really bread.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's
2: a thing in Wonderbread called dough conditioner. I don't even really know what that is, but conditioner belongs in your hair, not in your bread.
1: <laughs> Let's go back to the COVID part of this for a while. And I don't want to I don't want to make this into a moratorium or anything, but uh, how long can you survive under the current conditions? How how strenuous are the current conditions
3: for your business? Without government financial aid? Yeah. Not very long.
2: Um, I've been appealing to our community because everybody in Lowell and the surrounding towns, our customers who've been, you know, buying bread from us for a long time are aware that we are struggling. Um, And the way that we have been able to survive really has been the take and bake family entree meals. Um, If we can continue to get steady, you know, business through that even if it's 5 different orders a day it will help make up the difference for what's what we're not getting from the lunch crowd in downtown
3: Honestly it's scary because we've watched restaurant after restaurant yeah. on Merrimack Street close down Yeah and we're still here I'm not sure why
2: Everything is tied into our business there's no backup plan for us like this is our business and We work really hard, long days, and we're very thankful for the community. Um, But it is a very precarious balance right now.
1: What is the scary date for you? In other words, if I said to you right now, we're not going to jump another level of recovery or return until, say, April
3: 1st, how would you react to that?
1: That's a hard date,
3: isn't it? I I, I don't know. Sometimes it's like, Everything's evaluated on a daily and a weekly basis right now. Right. Uh, honestly, we do farm markets. So basically, as long as we can get to farm market season, we're okay, which is around June.
1: Yep. Uh, this period is this period has obviously changed your business, and you guys adapted quickly, as you talked about. What are some of the changes that occurred because of COVID that you're going to take forward permanently in your business?
2: I definitely have learned a lot. I mean, we've always cleaned the cafe like every other business, but learning how this virus is contagious and just having better disinfecting practices is important. That's something that won't change, you know. Um, Things I didn't think about before, I definitely am adding to my regular cleaning, um, and I don't plan to stop that. Um, as far as food,
3: I feel like DoorDash and Grubhub aren't going anywhere. And that will be a permanent part of food service business going forward. Yeah. Do you regret that? Um,
2: it's a necessary evil.
3: It takes 30%. So like, it's a lot.
2: Um, it took about three months pre pandemic of just letting it build so that doing it became worth it um we get enough business from it now that we don't it's not as bad feeling the 30 percent, but it's still it's still a big chunk
0: yeah what are other ways people can support you if they just want to support a local business you have gift certificates you sell t-shirts you sell merchandise what else can they if they want to go throw a couple bucks your way what do they do
2: have gift cards you can buy them over the phone or come in and purchase them Um, the take and bakes, there's a menu on our website, full menu. Again, we have family size, couple size. That's really the quickest way to help us. Um, we do sell totes that say purple carrot and, um,
3: We're going to be publishing a Valentine's day menu any day now.
2: Yeah. Dinners for two.
0: Yeah. And you will let us know when that's, that's ready. So we will, uh, we will spread the good word. Um, I have one last digression for you before we uh, before we say goodbye I have to ask uh, because I wrote an article for Merrimack Valley magazine a couple years ago on clocks and I'm looking in the back right now and I see something I don't normally see these days you have a grandfather clock please tell me what what, there has to be a story there
2: Um, it's our mother doug's mother-in-law lives with us and um her late husband it was his clock and and um so we just (laughs) it's definitely part of the home do you
0: you wind it every day does it still work
2: no we haven't gotten it um serviced in a while but we definitely keep it as part of our uh, remembrance of him
0: yeah well there, there are some clock as i found there are some clockmakers in the merrimack valley so if you want to support them so uh, you know, when you're ready, go go have them uh, tinker with that thing and get it working. Because man, there there are you know that's uh, that's a cool sight. That's very cool to see. Anyways, my guests today have been uh, Doug and Elena Bracket from Purple um, Purple Carrot Bread Company in Lowell. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you. Thank All you.
0: right. Take care, guys.